Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Tampa Bay Lightning now just one win shy of tying the Detroit Red Wings for the NHL record with 62 wins. They beat the Toronto Maple Leafs on Thursday night. 3-1, Steven Stamkos with a shorthanded goal to tie and an assist to Alex Kalorn for the eventual winner. Nikita Kucherov scores an empty netter. And uh, he gives the Lightning, by the way, 340 goal scores, uh, which uh, ties the first time since the 95-96 Pittsburgh Penguins. So we got lots to talk about with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Meanwhile, the NCAA Women's Final Four is set to begin tonight. It will be Baylor against Oregon and UConn against the defending champion Notre Dame. Fighting Irish in the semifinals. We're going to talk to Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times in just a minute about the women's Final Four and about Florida State's spring football game, which will be on Saturday. The Rays will begin their first road trip, uh, this time in San Francisco, weather permitting. Supposed to be some rain in the area for that. But uh, first reunion, of course, with former Rays third baseman Evan Longoria, who is off to a pretty decent start this season. And we've got all that and breaking down the men's Final Four on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Verstick. Hey, if you've got a business and you'd like to uh, maybe sponsor this podcast, we've got lots of new ways you can do that. Our advertisers have had great success, and this podcast continues to grow every single day. So for information, all you have to do is this. Contact us on Twitter at Sports Day TV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'd love to have you be part of our team okay Steve I thought uh, an important game for the Tampa Bay Lightning to get back on track they didn't play all that well to say the least uh, against Montreal even though um, you know Andre Vasilevsky was not in net he was of course on Thursday and he had uh, I think like 20 was it 26 saves I want to say gave up just one goal they fell behind one to nothing in this game but they played pretty well in the first period and I'll tell you a highlight game I thought for Steven Stamkos who gets his first shorthanded goal of the year is 44th goal overall and also has just a, a terrific assist to Alex Kalorn uh, for what eventually became the game winner. Yeah, his first shorthanded goal actually since 2015-2016. Now, granted, wow. he doesn't play a lot shorthanded anymore. And really, just the face-offs usually. And yeah, then, this and year he, he started with the fa- his improvement in the face-off circle has been dramatic since last year. And I think uh, Jeff Halpern, the assistant coach, has really been uh, – uh, Helpful in that regard, not just for Stamkos, but Cedric Paquette and many of the other players. Um, yeah. the, the face-off percentage has gone way up, but he's one of their best. So he comes out and, and starts the, the penalty kill a lot, and the goal is for him to win the face-off and then get off the ice. This time they won the face-off. Uh, then Toronto uh, gets the puck, but they, they steal it. McDonough sees Stamkos going up ice. I actually think he was going for a change, and then... Yeah. You know, happened to uh, they get the puck, and so McDonough spots him up there, and he just shot it right through Anderson. I mean, that was a powerful shot. Overpowered his glove, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he's – this is the best Steven Stamkos has played in years. Oh, agreed. I mean, you know, he's had a 60-goal season before, and, and, you know, so this year he's got, what, 44 goals, I believe now. But the overall game 
And, and this is the healthiest he's looked in years, too. And I think that's a big part of the reason he's playing as well as he is, is that, you know, I, I think last year, you know, he was coming off that, that, that knee injury. And, and if you talk to other players who have had that, and there was a couple players on the Minnesota Wild that's had it before. And they commented that, you know, it took a whole year oh, yeah. before they really kind of felt normal or what the new normal is and, and felt good about everything. I mean, they played well and, and it was okay, but it, they said it took a whole year or whatever. And we've kind of seen that with Stamkos this year. And, you know, he's, this is the best he's played in, in years. Maybe you can make an argument this is his best overall season. I mean, all, you know, well, all-around game, all-around game. I mean, his 97 points, to your, to your point, uh, matches a career high. And he did that the year that he scored 60 goals. So uh, when you look at the, the assist that he's had this year, that's the part of his game um, that is just, you know, taken off. Now, you know, back in the day, he had Marty, he had Benny, right? So he was the shooter. You know, mm-hmm. he was the guy that took those shots, and they, and they made plays for him. But now he's got other guys that can score, and he's been even, uh, you know, to me, more valuable in many ways, um, not just because he, you know, still has the ability to score 44 goals, which is great, um, but just the playmaking ability. I mean, that play um, on uh, the goal to Kalorn, um, and, and they did a great job of, of keeping it in their zone, and, and you know, Kalorn actually made the pass to Stamkos, but Stamkos just completely sells out, and it looks like he's going to take that shot and just threads the pass back, you know, uh, back to Kalorn, um, who who makes a great shot, and, and it was, it was so uh, such a such a playmaker's play, if you will. It was just one of those where you know deception, um, threading the needle, um, you know, Kalorn being ready to shoot. I mean, everything was had to be perfect, and it was, and even the shot was tremendous. So, I mean, he just he has been so. I, I guess Steve, it's the consistency that he's played with. You know, year round. I mean, just hasn't let up. Well, and I, yeah, you could, absolutely. And and I think you could even say, you know, the consistency part has been he's he's kind of had more consistent line mates all year too. I think that's true. I mean, that's true. They do shuffle the lines quite a bit, and, and you know that's a factor of it. But you know, he is he is the number one center. Braden points number two. Sorelli's number three. They've kind of mm-hmm. had that consistency down the middle of the lineup, and Podcat's the fourth center. And that really hasn't changed much throughout the year. They, they, they'll change the lines up some and, and your wingers and that. But, you know, last year he was shuffling between center and wing some. Um, and I think rightfully so last year, the way he was playing, and, and he wasn't 100% back yet. I think playing on the wing was, was a good thing. Um, but, you know, he's consistently been the center this year of that, the top line. And, and so I, th- I think there's just a lot more consistency of, of – uh, from him, but everything on the team too has helped that too. Yeah, I mean they've been terrific, and I thought you know it was important for them after the Montreal game where they didn't really play that well. Um, they they got some some really nice rushes. They 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 were clean getting it out of their zone. Um, the passes were a little more on the tape, and they just seemed to be on top of their game. And I think at this point, win or lose, you just want to you just want to play your game. You want to be back. You know, and get that edge, um, and and you know, look. I mean, um, they've got one more game to go now. You know, there's something to play for. It has nothing to do with the playoffs, obviously, but they haven't played for anything in that respect for some time. Do you think this 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 ability to tie, um, you know, for the record with 62 wins will will be something, or um, you know, is there a chance we don't say see, for example, we don't even see Andre Vasilevsky in this game? 
I think Andre Vasilevsky will play, and I think for the sole reason of you don't want him going from Thursday to Wednesday without playing. Ah, uh, there you go. It's true. You know, I, I, I wanted them to sit some players this week, particularly Monday and Tuesday with the back-to-backs. I thought that was yeah. a perfect opportunity to sit a couple players. Yeah. Um, and maybe even tonight. But you don't want to go – you don't want players going a week between games. Yeah, that's true. Um, that, you know, that's why I think the Saturday game you'll see – maybe you'll see Danik Martell get in, and only because mm-hmm. he hasn't played in a long time. And if you have to go that deep in the playoffs, you might want to get him a game. So, you know, maybe it's a, a Cedric Paquette sits or somebody like that. Um, you know, maybe there's a player that's banged up. JT Miller was a healthy scratch on Thursday night. But, so maybe you sit somebody Saturday. Uh, you know, I don't think Stamkos will sit, um, mostly because I think he'll want to set his career high in points and, yeah. and have Still a shot has at a 100. At 100, yeah. Uh, you know, Nikita Kucherov, you, you could sit him if you wanted to. I mean, he's pretty much got the scoring title wrapped up at this point with one game to go, you know, barring, you know, Connor McDavid having 10 points in a game. I, I think you're going to see most of the regulars play only because you've got three days off now between your next game. Sure. You don't want to go six days off between games for your, your star players. That makes sense. And, and okay, so now uh, is it, it's still a little up in the air as to who they play, but they're narrowing down the field right at this point. Who, who are the, the uh, possible um, first-round opponents for the Tampa Bay Lightning? Well, Pittsburgh is no longer an option now. They won on Thursday night, so they're, they're, they cannot take the second wild card. They could That's still be the first wild for, card. For both teams, I think they're probably relieved about yeah. that. The Hurricanes clinched a playoff spot. Uh, right now they're sitting at the first wild card. The second mm-hmm. wild card is a tie between Columbus and Montreal. Columbus has the edge right now in the tiebreaker, but also because they've got a game in hand. They don't play till Friday. They have a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. Montreal's got one game left. So, you know, looking at it, it's a good chance it's going to be Carolina or Columbus. And Montreal's got an outside shot. And the Lightning are 3-0 and against both uh, Carolina and Columbus and actually destroyed Columbus pretty much during the regular season. So uh, they should feel pretty good about anybody they play in the first round the way they played this season. But I still think for the sake of both Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, they're probably both glad that they're not going to face each other in the first round because those teams are pretty well, you know, they've had some pretty good matches this year. And um, should they see each other down the line, it's going to be a good series for sure. But and, first, And we do know that Boston-Toronto will be the second round, or their, mm-hmm. their matchup in the first round. So assuming the Lightning – if the Lightning go on to win their first round series, they'll play the winner of Boston Toronto, which Boston right. has pretty much owned Toronto for years now. So, right, and uh, a chance to play Boston, of course, to uh, get the record and uh, match the Detroit Red Wings. This is history. It's it's hard to to wrap your head around that a little bit. I think years from now, people will look back and see what a magical season this is. So many records have fallen for the Tampa Bay Lightning individually and uh, team wise. Um, but they have a chance to uh, cement their uh, their place in history with the Red Wings with 62 wins, which is just an unbelievable achievement, really, when you think about it. And a lot of awards will be following, I think, for this team and some of the players on it. But well, it's miraculous course, this... too. Steve Eiserman captain that Red Wing team. Yeah, and he how about that? Built this Lightning team and built it. I'm sure very much in uh, in a similar fashion. And and um, look what he's accomplished. So it's. It's something for Eisenman to have such a big imprint on, on both those teams and probably not an accident as well. We've got uh, college basketball. Of course, we'll talk to Matt Baker in just a minute about the uh, NCAA Women's Final Four. Um, but the men also play this weekend Saturday. I'll tell you, 
Um, you mentioned that you had Michigan State. I think you said you had another team uh, in the Final Four as well. Not many people uh, had these teams in their brackets, I can tell you that. Only one number one seed, that's Virginia. They're going to play number five, Auburn, in the first semifinal. And um, I'm curious as to how many people had them. But they'll be followed by uh, the number two seed, Michigan State, and number three seed, Texas Tech, uh, in the other semifinal. So uh, it, I think this is a, a an interesting Final Four I know I have my favorites. I think that you have a clash of styles, um, certainly in the Virginia and the Auburn game. I mean, Virginia is going to try to slow it down as much as they can. Um, you'll you'll see, you know, the Tigers trying to use that pressure defense and create, you know, a lot of a lot of three pointers, a lot of shots. They average over eleven uh, three pointers made per game, um, and then you know, the thing about Virginia has always been their defense. I mean, they're very good. Uh, defending the three-pointer, so that's kind of a uh, kind of a classic matchup uh, of styles there, Steve. Yeah, I mean Virginia. You know, the question is, can Auburn get Virginia to speed up their game? Virginia is right, a right. methodical team on offense. Um, mm-hmm. They they a lot of passing, use a lot of the shot clock. They're not in a rush. Um, they take their time and, and kind of just wear on you. Teams aren't used to that and don't play that very well. You know, can Auburn speed them up is going to be the key. Um, you know, I, I, I like Auburn in this matchup. Yep. Um, I think they can, I think you've, if you've, if you've seen Virginia this year, you know, the really talented teams and ones that can shoot the three and it move the ball pretty quick. And Auburn can is, is a team that can speed up Virginia at times. And I I think, I think Bruce Pearl is going to have a game plan to do that. And so I, I like Auburn in this matchup. They've 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 sort of had that look about them, uh, and and it doesn't seem like anything's going to intimidate them. Least of all, Virginia. Um, I'm I'm going to take Virginia in that game simply because I think the cream rises. They've been great all year. Um, you know, with what they went through, losing to a 16 seed a year ago to see them in the Final Four and maybe a chance to play in the national title game. Um, that's that's quite an achievement, I think. And uh, I I I don't know why, but I kind of maybe maybe I just feel for for Virginia. Um, with that sort of comeback from that embarrassment a year ago. And then you have uh, the, the matchup, uh, really, Steve, of, of two really good defenses. I mean, Texas Tech and Michigan State uh, both don't allow very high field goal percentages. Um, Texas Tech has run through this tournament. I mean, they've, um, they've won and won big by an average of 15 points. Uh, and it's hard to say this, but it feels like Michigan State is an underdog, even though they're one of the only – really the only team that's – ever won a national championship, of course, um, back in, uh, what, 79 with Magic Johnson in 2000. So uh, what do you think about uh, about the Michigan State uh, team against this Texas Tech team? Well, I'm going to stick with my original prediction. I had Michigan State winning the whole tournament at the beginning. So yep, I, will st- I will stick with Michigan State. Um, you know, I, I had them playing Florida State in this matchup. but Right, um, right. You know, I, I watched a lot of the Texas Tech-Michigan game, and, and they destroyed Michigan. Now, Michigan State's a better team than Michigan. And I, I think I think Michigan State's offense will be more effective. Against, Texas Tech is really good defensively. Right. Uh, I believe they were the number one defensive team in the NCAA, depending on which stats you're looking. Virginia's one of the other ones that's up there. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I think – I think Michigan State's offense is a little more I, – I, I really like, you know, Cassius Winston at the point for them and to control yeah. that game a little better. I agree with you, yeah. Jarrett Jared Culver's very good as well for the Red Raiders, oh. but you're right. I think I think this has been Winston's tournament, don't you? Yeah, I think 
you know, I, I think he's such a veteran leader there to run that offense and, and run yeah. that team for Michigan State. Um, that's yeah. one of the reasons I picked them at the beginning to win the tournament. Um, mm-hmm. I, I really like his makeup and, and how tough their, their team is, and, and you've seen that in a few of the games, particularly against Duke. Um, how well, you know, they got down to Duke a couple times in that game pretty far and then came, you know, nine, ten points and came back, mm-hmm. you know, against a really good Duke team. So I, I like Michigan State, but, I, you know, Texas Tech has been uh, – to me, they're the story of the tournament. I mean, I, yes, they're a three seed, so they're not a huge surprise to be in the Final Four. But, you know, when you looked at that region, I don't, you know, you had Gonzaga there, you had Michigan, you had Florida State in there as well. I, I don't think Texas Tech was the sexy pick to take. Mm-hmm. But – you know, I, they've to me they've been the surprise of the tournament as far as making the final. I mean, Auburn, Auburn too is a five seed, but you know, if you saw the way they played late in the season and winning the SEC tournament. You kind of knew they had a you know a good team and a, and a good shot to make a run. So Texas Tech to me has been the big surprise. Yeah, I think so. And and they and like I said, they played the best. They've they've been one of the hotter teams in the tournament, and so they've got uh, all kinds of momentum coming in. But. Um, It'd be good to see. I mean, look, I, I there's a little part of me that thinks how many more chances is Tom Izzo going to get, right? It's been since 2000. Since- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. He won a national title. Um, you know, Michigan State's had some pretty good teams that, that have gone deep in this tournament, but maybe this is his year. And uh, I'm sure we'll see Magic Johnson. These games... Of course, uh, I think the best night of uh, sport in some ways. I've covered the Final Four before. The semifinals, those two games, um, sometimes an anticlimactic with the national title game on Monday, but those two games Saturday will be terrific, of course, in Minnesota. Um, and so uh, we'll have that. And then before that, however, in Tampa at Amelie Arena, of course, there's a, a tournament for the women's Final Four as well. It'll be Baylor versus Oregon at 7. Notre Dame against UConn at 9.30. You can watch that on ESPN, too. And then the final is Sunday at 6 p.m. on ESPN. To help us talk about that is Matt Baker of the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, Matt, you know, this is one of those years, uh, I suppose, it's a rarity, even though Gino uh, Ariema has made uh, 12 consecutive Final Four appearances, where UConn does not come in as the number one seed. That is Baylor. Yeah, n- not only is UConn not the the number one overall seed in the tournament, they're not a number one a number one seed. Period. They were a number two seed, Rick. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think you're quite understanding. They've lost <laughs> twice, like <laughs> multiple games, is what that means in the same calendar and, year. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but no, it's. <laughs> You, UConn, UConn isn't as dominant as they've they've been in some of the other years. I mean, they're they're still here, so in, in the women's final four, so they're still a, a very very good team and certainly a, an elite team, and they have been all season. But they're they're a, they're they're vulnerable. They they are they are not perfect, and you know I don't think they're the favorite this year, which is kind of weird to say, but that's where we are. 126 consecutive regular season wins before they lost to Baylor in January, 
57. So Baylor has played them before and and um, and handled them uh, pretty well. I guess uh, look, Kim Mulkey's been at this a while too, and uh, we know Baylor has won national titles. They seem to have it all, um, Matt, because you've got uh, you know some some big players inside and Kalani Brown and, and Lauren Cox. Um, they've you know got I guess they've combined for over 150 blocks, and then you also have some three point shooting to go with that. Yeah, Baylor to me is the team to, to, to beat here. I mean, you, you mentioned it in Cox and, and Kalani Brown. I mean, they're six four and six seven. That's there. There aren't a lot of teams in the country that have that type of one two punch inside. And you know that when they played UConn earlier this year, I think Baylor outscored the Huskies in the post something like fifty two to ten or something ridiculous. Uh, and you know, obviously watching the, the the games the other night, Baylor's post is really good. But as you said. They're not just that. They can go out and shoot the threes. Um, they're 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 pretty explosive. They don't really have a weakness. I mean, they're really they're one of the better teams in the country defensively. So yeah, Baylor doesn't have a lot of weaknesses, and, and which to me makes them the, te- the the team to beat. But I wouldn't. I don't know that to put money on it. Right. I mean, anything can happen, and they're playing, you know, an Oregon team, which would seem to be the the prohibitive underdogs in this tournament. Um, however, uh, you know, Oregon has, I guess, one of the, one of the better guards, one of the better playmakers in Sabrina Ionescu. So what, what would they have to do? The Ducks, uh, I guess are another team that can shoot it from the three point range. Yeah, absolutely. Oregon leads the country. They've made 41% of their threes and they shoot. I think it's only think three teams in the country have shot more threes this year than Oregon. So not only. They, they shoot a ton, but they make a, a ton, too. And certainly in basketball, if you can make threes at a high level, that'll keep you in any game. Um, they're, they're, they've got some, some, some good players in the, in the, the post and Ruthie um, uh, among some of the others. But uh, to me, it's going to come down to whether they can make the threes and how good Sabrina Ionescu is going to be. I mean, we saw in the, uh, the, the Elite Eight game she had, and it was 31 points, and started off a little kind of you know feeling the game out a little bit and then she just exploded i mean she's got 18 triple doubles over her career which is the most by any player male or female in the history of the ncaa so she's an an elite elite player and there are not you know players like her don't grow on trees And, and the fact is too of all the really good players in this tournament that are still left she's one who's can you know make her own plays with the ball in her hands so I, you know, if she plays at a high level, and I think Oregon absolutely has a chance to knock off Baylor. How much when they get when you get to this stage, and and obviously these teams, Notre Dame and Baylor and UConn, are are not strangers to the Final Four. But how how much does that just that feeling of this tournament matter when you uh, with experience? Yeah, experience is is invaluable. I mean that there's a reason that these teams continue to come year in and year out. And obviously it's recruiting, but a good part of it too is experience. I mean, the coaches have coached at this level and they know really just all the, everything to expect all, all the little things from uh, how you deal with all the ticket requests to how you deal with the extra publicity and playing, you know, in front of more fans than you typically do. And this, and, and just the stage and the pressure. And so they've learned over the years, how you handle that stuff. And that puts Oregon at a bit, uh, a bit of a disadvantage here. This is the first time coach Kelly Graves has had the ducks at this level. Um, so I think in some ways they're going to be the team that's kind of, just happy to be there to some degree obviously they want to win it but they haven't been in these situations before and until you're in them you don't know how to handle them and again that's everything from 
how you handle the, the jitters in the first couple minutes playing in, in that environment uh, to how you handle the ancillary events and all the off-court stuff that comes at being uh, in, in a women's Final Four. It's funny, when you when you listen to Kim Mulkey talk, I mean, it sounds as if she doesn't really want to embrace the hunted role, so to speak. <laughs> no, she does not. Uh, there, there aren't a lot of... You know, you know it just as well as I do, Eric. There aren't a lot of coaches that say, yeah, darn right, we're the best team. Everybody's <laughs> trying to beat us. It happens. But, I mean, I've heard I've heard Nick Saban try and pull that crap before. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there are very few uh, coaches, and again, in any sport where that happens. I, I think Gino at Oregon, or at, Oregon, at, at UConn um, has done that in the past. And honestly, uh, I had kind of a flashback uh, or earlier this week um, to what uh, Dabo Sweeney was saying before the national championship game uh, for Clemson, what, what, what they were playing here in, in Tampa, um, because he, he met with, with Joe Madden just kind of kind of a random day up uh, before that was when the NFL draft was in, was in Chicago. So he met with Madden at, over at Wrigley. And one of the things that he liked about Joe Madden, other than that, their personalities, you, you could tell those guys would be really good buddies. Um but he liked the fact that Madden, when he has a good team, said, yeah, darn right, we're, we have a good team. We need to embrace that and, and live up to it. Um, and Dabo kind of t- took that on. But aside from those type of guys, no, a lot of most coaches don't want to be the, the hunted. They, they want to be the hunter and play up the underdog role even when it doesn't exist. And frankly, to, to me, it doesn't it, it exist with, with that this year. The Baylor's, the Baylor's the team to beat. You know, when you think about uh, dominance in in sports, you don't go very far without mentioning UConn and, uh, you know, 11 national championships. I think this is the 30th year for uh, for Gino um, uh, at Oregon since since he began, I guess. It's it's really something. And and yet I I don't truly think anybody will appreciate it until it's gone. Now, I don't know when that's going to happen. But Gino continues to say, hey, folks, this this, you know, 11, you know, 11 national titles, 12 straight appearance. I mean, this is not normal, but it's become their normal. It has, but he, he's right. It, it, it's not gonna, It's not going to last forever. There's going to be a year where something happens and they don't make it to the Final Four. In some ways, it should have been this year. You know, their, their top player, Katie Lou Samuelson, has had a bad back, missed some time this year. Um, there was a game here at, at USF where UConn didn't play particularly well. Um, certainly during the regular season against Louisville and, and Baylor, they shot pretty poorly. So this this isn't an invincible team. And eventually something's going to catch up to them where there, there's going to be a couple weird injuries and they're, they're not recruiting at a super high level right now. Um, I think they just got, it's got to commit from a top 2020 recruit, but their last couple of recruiting classes haven't been kind of what you'd expect from UConn. So there's going to absolutely be a year where something happens and, and the, the, the breaks don't go their way. Somebody misses a, a crucial foul shot. There's a fluky call. It's just, it's just natural. And, and um, you know, Gino's tried to brace his fans for that, for the inevitable, because eventually it, it will come. Um, it just, just not this year. Uh, There's still a really, really good team. And, you know, 12 in a row, uh, even in a sport, women's basketball, there's not a lot of parity. Um, they're just right. you're the top, you know, I, I could have told you at the start of the tournament, I would have given you probably six, seven teams that would have a chance to be here. And sure enough, all, all four of them are. So it, there's just not a lot of parity because the gap between a number 20 recruit in the country and a number 80 recruit in the country is so big. Um, but UConn still finds a way to get it done year in and year out. And I think you're right. It's not going to be something we fully appreciate until it's done when we sit back and look at you know, by, by then Gino's going to have 15 championships and 
17 straight Final Fours or something ridiculous, and we'll look back and say, yeah, that's never going to happen again. I think what's becoming one of the better rivalries, obviously Baylor and UConn have, have had their share. Uh, but Notre Dame and, and UConn is has gotten pretty good as well. And Muffet-McGraw, they are the defending national champions, let's not forget, 34-3. and three. They still have somebody who can make a big shot, and that's uh, Enrique Agumboale, who's, whose brother, by the way, is a Buccaneer running back. Absolutely. I mean, not only can she, can Arike make a really big shot, she made two last year in the Final Four, two that's, buzzer beaters. I mean, crazy. Yeah, just think just think about that for a second. And, and at a stage like the Final Four, to make back to back buzzer beaters to to obviously make it to the championship game and then win it, that's pretty darn remarkable. I mean, so yeah, she she's capable of it, but it's it's more than just her. I mean, she she got into foul trouble in the Elite Eight. Um, so they had to kind of go to the bench a little bit and, and mix things up. And, and Jackie Young had it was 25 and, and 10 uh, for them. And uh, Brianna Turner, um, they're, they're 6'3 forward uh, from uh, Manville High School, which actually where uh, Gators fans would know that's where Kyle Trask, one of their quarterbacks, went. Um, but she, she's one of the better defensive players in the country. And, uh, you know, she's one of, I think she's the only player in this tournament or certainly in the Final Four, who played in the, the Final Four when they were here a, a couple years ago. She had a, a knee injury one of the years and, and had to sit out, so this is her, her fifth year. But again, when we talk about how important experience is, not only has she played in, in uh, Final Fours before, but heck, uh, she was uh, playing at Amelie Arena a couple years ago in a Final Four. That's right. So, okay, who we got uh, Baylor against Oregon. That's the game you'll be covering before you head on up to Florida State uh, for their spring game. We'll talk about that in just a second, but um, who do you like in that one? Who do you like Notre Dame versus UConn? Yeah, I, I like Baylor in, in the first one. Oregon's you know, obviously been a, been a great story, and I think they might have the best single player in the tournament in, in Sabrina Ionescu. But I don't think they have the they don't have the size, and I, and I don't think they have the experience. I think Baylor's gonna gonna win there. And then the other one, I, I would give the edge to Notre Dame. I think all overall they're deeper. Um, their defense isn't great, but they are extremely prolific in scoring. Just to, I think their starters have combined for like 10,000 career points or something ridiculous like that. So I see a Baylor-Notre Dame uh, final uh, coming up on Sunday. Wow. And uh, that would be something to watch. Of course, it's always a great event. Um, you've been to these before, I'm sure, Matt. Uh, Tampa does as good a job. I, there, there was some talk. Was it Gino that mentioned he'd love to have it here every year? Yeah, Gino wants it to be in the in a rotation, maybe like a, a four team or a four city yeah. rotation, maybe like in Indianapolis or something in there too. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Tampa just does a fantastic job in putting on these things. That's why it seemed like every year you and I have something interesting and unique to cover. I mean, whether it's the NHL All Star Game, uh, Women's uh, Final Four, a Frozen Four, obviously the College Football Playoff National Title Game a couple years ago, and I think at some point that's going to come back. But, you know, Tampa just has a lot of things going for it. I mean, and the fact is, it was, what, 80 and barely a cloud in the sky today. Um, the, the downtown area is, is beautiful and all walkable, going from the hotels to the arena. Um, plenty of hotels in the area, too. So, yeah, there, it, it, a lot. Uh, Tampa has a lot going for it, and that's why I think this event will be back in, in the future, too. And, Matt, after you uh, have the opportunity to cover this Baylor-Oregon game on Friday, you get to head on up to Tallahassee for the spring game at Florida State, which I'm nervous about Florida State. Um, I, I know you know that this is a big year for Willie Taggart, obviously. 
He gets a transfer uh, in Alex Hornibrook from Wisconsin. Just what is uh, – I, I assume that the quarterback story or the quarterback situation is the biggest story at FSU right now, right? It's certainly one of them because they still don't have a, a you know they, they're not as deep as, as I think they they would like to be. Um, anytime you're relying on transfers to come in, whether it's the the transfer from Louisville, um, Travis, or, or whether it's Hornibrook from Wisconsin, that means you haven't done a good enough job of keeping that position stocked over years through your recruiting, which Willie has not done. Um, but, but to me, it, it, quarterback matters a ton. But if the offensive line is as bad as it was last year, I don't know yeah. if it matters who's playing quarterback, right? I mean, the, yeah. the poor guy, yeah. whoever it is, is going to get ripped in half. So mm-hmm. I guess then, then your depth does matter because you're going to get down to your fifth one again. So um, that, to me, is the biggest thing that I'm looking for. It's really hard in a spring game to assess the offensive line because if you know the offensive line is great, are they doing really well because the de- defensive line stinks? Or and conversely, if there's a bunch of sacks, is that because your O line isn't very good, or because your defensive ends and, and pass rushers are freaks? So, that, that, but that's to me the, the biggest thing that I'm keeping an eye on. And two, I'm I'm curious to see how to get a better look at what will be a vanilla version of Kendall Bryles' offense at FSU. We, we know what he's done um, on the field and all the points he's put up at Baylor and, and FAU and Houston. So I'm curious to see. Are there any differences we can tell in the spring game from maybe what FSU ran last year with the Willie's Gulf Coast offense? So you can read, you can read that as well. Matt Baker, the Tampa Bay Times, will be at the women's Final Four, and then of course uh, on up to Florida State to cover the spring game there. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate the help. Thanks, Rick. One of the best weekends in sports, Steve. Of course, the women's Final Four, the men's Final Four. We've got the Rays opening their first road series in San Francisco against the Babe. Uh, Evan Longoria, and then the Lightning Saturday afternoon game at 1 o'clock in Boston and a chance to make history with 62 wins, the most uh, in the NHL, tying, of course, the Detroit Red Wings. So uh, terrific weekend in sports. We thank you guys for joining us. We're here every Monday through Friday. We'll have lots to talk about, of course, on Monday with all these tournaments and everything going on with the Rays and the Lightning and get you set for what will be The NHL postseason, the playoffs begin on Wednesday at Amelie Arena, and we'll see who the Lightning are playing and talk about those matchups next week as well. So for Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.